Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to a new podcast. I know you, you probably have a bunch out there, but I don't know if you got one just like this. Welcome to the Front Office Podcast. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker. Couldn't be more excited to be here with you. And we are starting a new sports podcast. And I say we, and I'll introduce them in a second. But I got to tell you, being in front of the microphone, being able to talk about sports, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, now that the front office is rocking and rolling, we joke. We say the front office is now, the door is closed. Uh, meeting in session, ladies and gentlemen. So going to be a great sports podcast for you. We're going to mix in some anecdotes, some real life stuff. And we've got just a an awesome mix of characters on this podcast that I cannot wait for. Uh, and these are just, it's going to be four of us main hosting this. We're not even talking about getting guests in the studio just yet. Uh, just wait until that starts rocking and rolling. So let's bring them into the studio. You'll recognize them if you recognize my old podcast, the Air It Out podcast. My co-host, the co-founder of the Air It Out podcast, Mr. Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, what's going on, dude? What's going on, brother? What's going on, team? And I like how you brought me in there. I said I wasn't too accredited on microphones and podcasts, but you did me justice there, brother. I appreciate that. And yeah, I'm super excited for what we got going on here and what we've been talking about. And it's just up. It's only going up. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, Jolan moved to the beautiful town of Pompton Lakes in about, I believe it was fifth or sixth grade. Uh, and him and I became instant friends at, I believe, a Funplex party, uh, which was uh, the start of just something that's been uh, awesome. Uh, he wore 55 in high school. I wore 56. We played right next to each other on the line for a while. Uh, just an absolute great friend of mine, a family member of mine, really. Honestly, Joel, is your brother to me and always have been, always will be, and uh, looking forward to this with you. Very heartfelt, brother. I appreciate you, too. Absolutely. Let's keep it rolling. We're going to go uh, – we'll go down to this guy who I've known since eighth grade uh, who stepped into Lakeside Middle School and when Little Goose was – uh, thinking about going to DePaul Catholic High School, this guy talked some sense into him, changed his life forever, uh, and a decision that I, I have never regretted for a single second of my life, uh, going to Ponte Lakes High School, had a great career, and he's always been a friend of mine, always been somebody I can go to for advice, was a former co-host of mine uh, on a radio show, the Goose and Doc Show, just a great guy to be around, great great guy to hang out with, uh, that would be Dr. Vin Prisbolinski. Doc, what's going on? Hey, Goose, it's great to be back with you. Uh, as you know, um, as you mentioned, eighth grade, I was talking the other day, at, and uh, again, I'm, I'm one day from uh, retirement. And I was talking the other day about some of the, the, the great kids that I came in contact with in my meetings over at Lakeside School. And I remember, you. I think you were wearing like some kind of Argyle sweater or something <laughs> sitting to my left. And I'll tell you what, you and I connected and that relationship continued uh, through high school, beyond high school. Uh, into our radio show. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest rewards I have as an educator uh, is the relationships with uh, students. And I've been very grateful, uh, Jolan being a former student of mine, you being a former student of mine. And uh, I'd like to think it's that relationship that's brought me into the podcast, not the fact that uh, you're trying to really uh, maybe drive the average age up with this group by bringing the old guy in. So, Anyway, it's great to be with you guys. You guys wore 55 and 56. I did not wear those numbers. I wore 88. So I, I was a lot more svelte in high school than you guys. And it's great to be with you. And, of course, great to be with uh, the last guy you're going to introduce. I've enjoyed working and talking with all of you. So thank you for having me as part of this team. Always, Doc. And, uh, always always a good friend of mine and always uh, done right by me uh, and guiding me to the right to the right scenarios and situations. And, yeah, we're – we're going to have some fun. You can already tell from these intros that it's going to be, we're going to dig deep here uh, in this podcast. And that's the beautiful thing about podcasts, right? You can really dig deep. But uh, as he mentioned, we got one more to introduce. And this is a, a buddy of mine that I met when I started working at WTV QWGHD radio, uh, the sports director there, just an absolute, uh, I, I can't, I don't even know the words, just an unbelievable human being, uh, great guy. If you talk to him and you, you'll hear his voice, obviously on the podcast, you think you're talking to somebody around my age. And in fact, uh, he's really closer to Doc's age than he is my age. 
Uh, and by the way, nobody tell Doc that we brought him on here just because we needed, eh, we maybe needed a Yankee fan in there a little bit, maybe a non-Giant fan in there. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I uh, want to introduce my buddy, my pal, and the co-host of my show, Game Time with the Goose, airing Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. That would be Mr. Zach Kruk. Zach, what's going on? Goose, thank you, buddy. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be wrapping sports with you, with all of you guys, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, getting to know you through WTBQ and doing the show there. As you know, I used to do a show there that was more centered on politics. I'm thrilled, thrilled to be away from that and uh, just talking sports on a regular basis. And from the times I would come in and join you and Doc uh, on the air for your sports show and doing a show with you every Saturday and now doing this with you three gentlemen. Yes, it is true. Doc and I skew the age demographic here. We give some perspective on what sports were like before you youngsters were born and uh, some comparisons that we can give. So this is going to be a blast. I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Absolutely. And uh, we, we, Zach and I actually did a radio show a few weeks ago on the evolution of sports. Uh, and it was great to have that perspective. And, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't tell Zach that Babe Ruth couldn't hit in this era, okay? Do not tell Zach that. But, Jolan, we're not talking Yankees to start. I know you've got a topic you want to address right away. And uh, is it is it something, is it the melting ice caps of the polar bears? What's going on? Oh, so, no, it has something to do with the polar bear. I like the way you wanted to segue me in there. But, no, Pete Alonzo was rumored to be on the chopping block toward the MLB trade deadline. And now they might want to shop him before they extend him this offseason. Kroc, you said before we got into the show that you had something you wanted to say on this situation. What's your whole understanding about what you want to happen to Pete Alonso and this Mets team? Well, first of all, I think as a whole, it's a lot of rumor and innuendo. I think it's a lot of clickbait. I think it is New York media personalities digging for a story and looking for another reason why the Mets didn't do well this year. And it always seems to come back to the clubhouse in those conversations. Well, the clubhouse was toxic. There's no chemistry. There's this and that. And people start pointing the fingers at Alonzo. I think that's, to me, that's just, that's stuff that's conjecture. It's made up by the media, like I said, to get clicks and views. Um, if some, and, and the other part of it was Milwaukee calling or putting the story out there that they were in trade talks for Pete Alonso. And they're doing that in my opinion, because it's been public knowledge for a better part of a year or more that the Mets are actively looking to poach David Stern from Milwaukee as their new president of baseball operations. Milwaukee's none too happy about that. So I don't think it's any secret how the story got out in the media. Now, when it comes to Alonzo's contract and whether he is a Met for life or a, a Met for the next, whatever, seven to 10 years, to me, it all comes down to what kind of money he's asking for. When you look at the numbers, and you look at the money that the top first baseman in Major League Baseball are making. You know, you have Freddie Freeman on top of the pile at $27 million a year. Say Freddie's 33 years old. Fine. He was also a very big uh, fan favorite in Atlanta before he left for L.A. You look at Matt Olson, who's tearing it up for a Braves lineup that uh, has protection top to bottom. So you knew his offense should jump a little bit, but he's a gold glove first baseman. He's making $20, 21000000 million a year. To me, the idea that Pete Alonso is going to ask for and should get $30 million plus a year because Steve Cohen is the owner and he's rich and he should go in above and beyond and, and make him the highest paid first baseman in the game, to me, kind of ridiculous. If he's going to try to take advantage of that fact that he's got the richest owner in the game to try to up a contract and set the market for first baseman when he's not the best first baseman in Major League Baseball, uh, to me, that is what I would consider piggish. And that's what I, I, I have no idea. None of us do what those talks look like. But I would hope that at least he'd be reasonable about it, even though he has some of that leverage, knowing that if he leaves, the fan base is going to be upset. Goose, now, what are you thinking here? Obviously, you're a big Pete Alonzo guy. Are you on board with paying him anything he wants? Or do you have Zach's approach where... You really got to be fiscally smart here. You have to build a complete team and not just overpay when you can because you have the money. Uh, thanks, Joel. So the, the beauty of this, too, is that uh, we all kind of talk outside of this. And uh, Zach and I, you know, we're, we're always chatting back and forth. And, you know, Saturday, I, I think I was, you know, I was on a 12-hour journey 
uh, from Myrtle Beach back to New Jersey. Maybe I was a little uh, uh, too emotional at the time. But I, him and I talked about it, and I, I would say I think Alonzo's contract is going to fall in that $25 million range. So I think you're looking at seven years, $175 million uh, for Pete, uh, up or down a year or two, whatever. Uh, whatever's going to make him happy, but I, I agree with you, Zach. He's, the, I think we all know he's not the first, he's not the best first baseman in baseball. Uh, that defense is still lacking there somewhere. Uh, it, it while it has improved, uh, it's still not obviously to that gold glove level, not even close, honestly. But the number of home runs that he hits, and 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 I think you know, we'll see. And Crocky, you could talk on this. I mean, the the comparisons to Dave Kingman, uh, you know, again, I never watched Dave Kingman play. Uh, but I watch Pete Alonso play, and Pete Alonso is he gets the young kids involved. And you know, you you have a son whose favorite player is Pete Alonso. There's a lot of people they sell those hats with the polar bear on top of it. There's a he lot switched of, to Alvarez, by the way. Now, did he really? He did. What made him change? Was it the F bomb? He, he catches, he's a catcher. Ah, okay. so that's he is switched to Alvarez. So, yes. But Pete hits a lot of home runs, and that we know that power doesn't grow on trees. Uh, and I'm with Crucky. You know, you start getting to that $30, $35 million range, you're, that's a that's a different level. You know, we, if we're talking Shohei Otani, you're talking, you know, $30 million. It's a completely different discussion. Now, you talk about Pete Alonso at that, absolutely not. And I agree, Zach. I think Cohen, and that's that's what, you know, maybe, maybe the Mets are offering 20, um, and Cohen will go a little bit over what Olsen gets. Uh, but again, this is this goes back to your original question, Jolan. If you're going to get rid of Pete Alonso, what is the plan? Because if you're just going to get dudes that got to be in the minors for another year and a half, I mean, what are we doing? I, I really don't care how highly ranked they are. I, you know, this this is and and for better or for worse, this is New York. This is not, you know, you could do this in Kansas City and in Houston. Houston did this forever before they became really good. You're not going to get away with this in New York of of well, this guy will be ready by 2025 uh, and kind of all that stuff. So uh, we've seen comparisons to some other big names traded, but the question I always have is, okay, well, what have those franchises done since? I heard well, Juan Soto was traded. Okay, who plays left field for the Nationals or right field? Can you name them? Uh, I can't. Oh, Paul Goldschmidt got traded. Okay, can you tell me the first baseman of the Arizona Diamondbacks? You know, can the casual fan tell me that? Christian I Walker, so. I'm just saying. There you go. There you go. That's why I had to throw the casual fan in there. Uh, but Nolan Arenado got traded, right? But the, he, a lot of these guys got traded off of teams that don't have any money and didn't want to pay out that contract for the whole length of it. Steve Cohen obviously doesn't have that problem. Uh, Joel's at the end of the day, I think Pete Alonso's got to be a Met for life. I think he will be a Met for life. And I, I'm excited to see him in a Met uniform moving forward. I think you lock this team around Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso for the next seven years. I, and before we got to get Doc in here too, but before I just want to talk for one second on the Kingman point. And I, I more said he's having a Kingman-esque season this year. He's hitting 220. He's got a lot of home runs. He's driven in a bunch of runs. Um, and he's not the player Kingman was in terms of – Kingman wasn't very popular in his clubhouse when he played, but he was this guy, he was an all or nothing guy. That's what he was. And I think that you have to, if he does go, which again, we don't want him to, but it's a business and there's a business side to it. What you have to do is you have, you have to replace him with a slugger. And I do think the difference is between those teams that you mentioned, Goose, is that yes, this is a team that has money and would be in a trade market for pretty much any slugger who would be potentially available in Major League Baseball, and you add on to that with the guys you have coming through the system. Um, we don't. We want to see him add on to Pete plus, right? Keep yes. Pete plus, add something else, and bring those guys through the system. But uh, I don't think Cohen Cohen isn't going to spend three hundred fifty million a year. Is it isn't going to? Ha- he did it for short term with Verlander and with Scherzer. He's going to pare that down. So having a ton of money is wonderful, but he's not gonna. He's not going to be doing it every year. And yeah, totally. I agree a hundred percent. I think Pete Alonzo is somebody you pay, but within reason, obviously the highest first baseman um, on average money-wise is Freddie Freeman. He, he's only being, being paid 27 million. So when you look across the board, I think anything under 30 is reasonable. I think anything above you let him walk, but doc, let's go to you. Let's go to the Yankees. Yeah, I, think, uh, 
Well, don't don't excuse me from me. Oh, from okay. You want you want you want in on P? I didn't think you wanted in on P. Quiet, listening to all you guys, but um, you know, I'm 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 a guy who you know I saw Dave like Kingman in his prime. I mean, I don't think there's any comparison between Alonzo and Kingman. You give me the choice between those two, I'm picking Alonzo uh, for sure. I mean, Alonzo, you know, averages. When you look at the COVID year notwithstanding, the guy averages over 40 home runs, 100 RBIs. Um, Kingman was a guy that, you know, especially at the back end of his career, I mean, he was, as Krucky said, he was all or nothing. It was a home run or strikeout. And um, at the end of his career, you know, Kingman was a guy that bounced around. In fact, I think there was one year he might have been on four teams in a very short time, including the Yankees, the Cubs, the Angels. He was, he was bouncing around. Um, you guys his teammates crazy. didn't like him. You guys are crazy if, if you don't want like Alonzo long term. I agree with you. It's got to be reasonable because you look at these contracts now, how many, you know, you're, you're paying guys these long term contracts for what they've already accomplished, not for what they're going to do. And as a Yankee fan, I'm seeing several guys on that roster now. Uh, and we've had some before where, you know, the, the, the back end of the contract, it, it's, it's useless and it's hard to get, get rid of. But I agree. And with uh, with Goose, that yeah, you you have Lindor, you definitely build around him and um, and Alonzo. I I would as a Yankee fan, I would love Lonzo. I'd love him more as a Yankee if he hit left-handed, <laughs> because that's that's you know if we're gonna get into the Yankees. That's the problem. That's I'd love to have Alonzo. Boy, if he swung left-handed, he'd be a perfect Yankee. So let's stay with Alonzo. Let's stay with the Yankees now because you guys definitely have questions at first base uh, with Rizzo being hurt and concussed and whatever. He's going for $20 million a year. How much would you pay Alonzo to start for the Yankees? That's a, that's a great question. You know, and, and the, you know, the I'm sitting somewhere, you know, 27, 5, 30 a year. And it's the so highest paid. It depends on how many years, you know, but, but when do I watch Alonzo? I watch Alonzo against the Yankees and he plays well against the Yankees. And it, 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 it frustrates me. Frankly, he could be in a slump and then you put him against the Yankees and he's, you know, he's hitting two home runs in a game. Um, you know, how old, how old is Alonzo? 28. Yeah. 28. So if you're, you're looking at a seven year deal, the get him to 35 and then it, it, you know if he lives up to that deal it gives him a chance to even get another big deal at the back end of his uh, career um i don't know, I, I don't think there's any comparison between alonzo and kingman alonzo is definitely the guy having watched both of those guys play and i'd love to have him as a yankee fan i'd love to have him, especially considering our problems at first base right now i mean that basically wraps up the mets and pete alonzo saga let's stay with the yankees I'll open it up to anybody, but the Yankees have a lot of question marks heading into this offseason. Obviously, they're in fifth place, below 500, heading into September for the first time in what seems to be forever, our whole lifetimes, I'd agree. Hmm. But yeah, it's it's bad. It's not looking good. Whoever wants to take this question can, but how do the Yankees get this right in one offseason and not waste the primes of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge? Well, Doc, yeah. Doc, I'll take this to start. That's that's where I, I almost want to ask a follow-up question is where do you start? Right. We know the problems with the lineup. Uh, we've, we've Zach and I have talked about it at nauseum after Aaron judge in that lineup. It is, you know, it, it's, it's like the wild West when the little dust bunnies are floating through. It's like, you know, who's there. Uh, but also you have a problem in the rotation as well. You know, you, you have the, the issues with Herman. Severino can't be trusted. I know he's, you know, he was good in his last outing or two outings before. Uh, Clark Schmidt has had, you know, what seemed like an exceptional year. Rodon struggled a little bit. Garrett Cole has quietly been, by the way, I crushed Garrett Cole as his first few tenure, uh, first few years with the Yankees. He's been excellent this year. He's been the steady horse at the front of that rotation. But where do you start, Doc? Do you start in the rotation? Or you start with the lineup. I'll tell you what, I don't have a problem with the rotation and I don't have a problem with the bullpen. If Cashman's had a strength as the GM, it's he, he finds these good bullpen arms. The rotation, um, you know, you, you look ahead to 2024 
you know, you got Cole. You hope, you know, Radon is, is he's, he's there. He's going to be the second year of a six-year deal. One thing I think the Yankees did well this year that they usually don't do, and I'm glad they did, they stuck with Clark Schmidt. Schmidt was one in six, and they do not, you know, they, they don't stick with guys. And Crunky, you'll remember this, the Doug Drabecks of the world. I think Drabeck one year started off one and six. He shipped off to Pittsburgh. You know, Jose Rijo starts off two and seven, shipped off to Cincinnati. And these guys had near Hall of Fame careers and definitely Hall of Fame years and leading their teams to World Series. Well, what I like about what the Yankees is you stick with Clark Schmidt as, as, a, as a three, maybe get something out of Cortez. I've been wanting Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito, let these guys pitch and let them pitch six and seven innings. Let Michael King start pitching five or six innings. Start developing pitchers. I don't have a problem with their rotation. And the bullpen, you know, just so we all have time here, the bullpen, they always find good arms. It's your position players because you, you mentioned Judge. Torres has had a good year, and he's still got another year to go. And I think Volpe, you know, he's got 19 home runs at this point, over 50 RBIs, you know, hitting around 215, 220. I'll take that. It's how you build the rest of the lineup. They're bringing up young guys, okay? You're going to have uh, Austin Wells and, and Jason Dominguez up uh, once we flip the calendar. They're coming up. And the Bader, the Bader move. I thought when they got Bader, he was going to be their center fielder of, of the future. But I think that's a telltale sign there. If someone were going to take them, they're like, okay, take them. They just want to clear the roster spot to bring up some of these young kids because Bader's going to command yet not, not a crazy contract, but another contract, you know, not quite the LeMayhew deal, but something, you know, a little less than that. And I don't think they want to go with that number anymore. Quark, what are your thoughts on this? How do you think the Yankees approach this next offseason and and they don't waste the prime of Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole in the process? It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And because the Cashman's not going anywhere. You know, they just signed him to a four-year extension. He's not going anywhere. I, I agree with Doc in that they have – they always seem to have the pretty good foundation of pitching in the rotation and in the bullpen in particular – I think the issue, one of the issues with the bullpen the last two years is the amount of work they've gotten, and they got it early. I think that happened last year as well, where they were getting worked hard early, and the, the numbers kind of slid in the second half. But, um, you know, the, the lineup is a question. And I, there were a lot of Yankee fans who were saying three months ago, oh, we, you know, if Bader wants four or five years, let's give it to him. Now he's on waivers, and who knows? Maybe he comes back for a low con. I don't know, but he he wasn't having it. It seemed like whatever was going on in their lineup when Judge went out became contagious. And of course, Rizzo had the concussion problem, and that's an that's an issue with the the medical staff. I mean, to have that guy playing for two months is is a red flag when it's now clear that he probably shouldn't have been playing. But he's a question mark at first base. Um, you know, Glaber Torres is a guy that a, a lot of Yankee fans want to see shipped out of town. I don't really get it. I understand he doesn't look great sometimes in the field. He looks like he's sort of not do, doesn't know what's going on, or he checks out of a play. Offensively, he's been their second best player, and it's not really close this season. So, what you do at third base? How these young guys factor in? And I think it's it's a good idea on their part to be bringing these guys up for September to see what they can do and see if they can be contributors. I think Volpe's going to get better at shortstop. You know, he had sort of he had a decent season for a rookie, but I think rockier than than people expected. But uh it's going to be a very interesting offseason in New York in general. You know, the Yankees have a lot of work to do um and the Mets have a lot of work to do. And I think the people saying that either team is done for next year or is not going to feel the competitive team next year. I think they're out of their minds, quite frankly. I don't think these are teams that's, that are going to sit on their hands. And uh, new season brings new hope. So it is going to be a very, very interesting offseason. And, and, Doc, I want to ask you, what is, what's your opinion? Do you think Boone should be back next year, or do you think he takes the ax for this? That That's a great question, Crocky. Uh, I I haven't been the biggest Aaron Boone fan. Um I think he infuses himself into the game sometime when he, he doesn't need to. And I look at 
um, like Herman earlier in the year, several outings. One, he's pitching a no hit, like a one hit shutout. And he takes him out and he brings in Holmes, and the guy gives up, you know, a three nothing becomes a, a four three loss. And when you talk about analytics, and Boone's supposed to be an analytics guy, you know, I'm a math guy, I'm a, an analysis guy. You know, you have a guy going well. When you bring someone in, you're introducing risk that the next guy's not doing well or not going to do well. When you know the guy, and, and I look back to some early season Herman starts, why are you taking the guy out? That's my criticism with Boone. Let the game breathe. Now, maybe if I was the manager, I'd be fired because I'm more like a Billy Martin type. Let these guys go. You know, let let them pitch. You know, I saw I saw the days of starter to Dick Tidrow to Sparky Lyle to, you know, Sparky Lyle to Goose Gossage, you know, and, and there's your game. And, you know, let these guys pitch. But to, to answer your question, you know, um, I, I've been calling for change. And I, I don't want to you – know, it's hard moving away from that. And then when I step away, I don't want anybody, you know, I don't wish anybody to lose their job, but it just feels like it's the time for a change. Although I don't feel the deck he's been dealt has been a, a fair deck. I mean, it, he, he, he's got guys in that lineup that are hitting in the hundreds. And, you know, what, what is he supposed to do if you're not, and now they're starting to bring these young guys up, but, you know, he's got the, the, the cards to deal with. I don't know how much I would have changed it other than what they're doing now, and that is bring up, uh, you know, Everson Pereira, see what you got there. Bring Dominguez up, see what you got there. Bring Wells up. Bring Peraz up, see what you got. So, um, you know, Boone's got one year. I'm okay with giving him the year, although really leading up to the past week or so, I've been saying you got to get rid of him because I just think too often – he puts himself into a game that he should let breathe more. Hey, can you put a call into Queens there, Doc? Uh, we need Billy Epler to call up Ronnie Mauricio ASAP. I mean, I mean, you got to be kidding. I'm, I am paying hard-earned money to watch Jonathan Araruz and DJ Stewart, although he looks like the second coming of the home run king. Oh, and and all and Daniel, I got to watch. Oh, don't even get me started on uh, Daniel Vogelwood. Exactly. Alaruz is he? Is he a music performer? Yeah, sure. Oh, sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, I I gotta watch Daniel Vogelbeck on this team. Like, get these that guys guy. out of here. Get him no, out. Should be better than that guy. I know. Vogel, Vogelbeck makes you look like you should be on the cover of T two. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> that guy's a half tool player. It's it, horrible. Can't run. Can't throw. Can't hit. Can't it catch. Is, it, right. Look. Well, and, 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 Right, and Goose can do I I think Goose played pickleball recently. I mean, you know, Goose can move. I came sweeping the nation, I heard. Yeah, I I thought I was gonna be part of this pickleball. This when I thought when pickleball's on Wednesdays. Well, the problem was, Doc, we ran into that it was for the whole rec department. And so we had sixteen guys and sixteen girls showing up to play on one court. Uh so we we couldn't all play on Wednesdays. The guys got booted. And then life just became uh, all that much more crazy. I got an idea. Sure. You, you involve me in the pickleball and you give priority to the oldest people there because it's generally regarded as like a kind of a senior citizen retiree type game. And You'll you still just, be like mid of the pack. You're not that old. <laughs> oh, really? They, the people that play pickleball are, are they're that old, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got, oh, yeah. You but, guys... but seriously, like what? And Zach, I, I'll pose this to to you in a very angrily fashion. What in the world does Ronnie Mauricio have to do? Does he have to go up to to Mars and like bring it back to Earth? Does he have to go rob a bank? What does this guy have to do to get the call up uh, to Queens? It's a great question. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, I don't think many Mets fans get it at this point because this is a guy who's tearing the cover off the ball. And again. Minor league AAA production doesn't always translate. We've seen it, right? We've Mark seen Vientos. it. This right, Vientos, Beatty, even yep. Alvarez. Alvarez has been has had some great streaks, and he's had uh, icicle cold streaks. And you know, he's we've all fallen in love with the home runs, but the other numbers aren't that great. So it, it's a transition. But at this point, yes, they have nothing to lose here. 
unless they are trying to hide this guy, they don't think he's going to perform and they're trying to hide him for trade value, potentially. That's the only explanation I can see because Epler's, oh, offensive benchmarks haven't been hit is a total <laughs> load of BS. We all know it. It's GM speak from a guy who a lot of times has looked like, you know, the water's over his head in the position that he's in. And we're all begging for Stearns to come here. So, he can neuter Epler and maybe trade make some trades that work in our favor. I don't know, man. I mean, what is it? September 1st is in two days. The guy should be in a Mets uniform at City Field, and he should be getting the bats for the last month of the season. Anyone who says otherwise, including Billy Epler, is nuts. Do you guys think Buck survives a regime change if we do bring in all these guys? I do not. I do not. Buck's never been a guy that's that's coached young players well. I i.e. Daniel Vogelbeck. The reason he's getting all these at bats over some of the young guys, especially when Viento first came up uh, this year. Obviously, we've seen his struggles. By the way, he hit a home run the other night. I was leaving the game in the ninth inning because me and my girlfriend were going home. Had to beat some traffic. And girlfriend, literally, this, big title. Yeah, this guy hits. This guy hits a home run as I'm walking out of the stadium. I almost had to go back to my seat. Uh, but no, I, I, I just don't think Buck's the guy, uh, for this team. I think he was, uh, and Zach, you can comment on this. When we talk about a guy like Max Scherzer and how they were so important to set the tone, uh, and set kind of help set the culture that first year, uh, I think he accomplished that. But I think moving forward with all the young talent that's coming in, I, I don't see Buck fitting in, uh, in, in the future here in New York. I can see Buck getting bumped up to the front office here. See, yes. this, this is what I don't understand. This team, with majority of the same players as they had on it last year, uh, played sloppy baseball for months this season. It wasn't just the pitching. The pitching was an abomination uh, from start from the start of the season and continuing to this day. The pitching is really what sunk this team this year. It wasn't a big difference in run production from the lineup. Uh, even though it felt like it because guys weren't putting up exactly the same numbers. But when I look at this team, they played last year, up until at least mid to late August of last year anyway, a very clean, crisp, fundamentally sound brand of baseball. Good defense, no stupid mistakes, no bad errors. And those were all over the place for everybody to see. First part of it. It's amazing. After they got rid of all these guys, suddenly they seem to have reverted back to playing this scrappy type of ball taking more pitches remember that last year how many pitches these guys oh. saw how many starting pitchers they worked to the bone within the first three or four innings that was nowhere to be found this year and that stuff does fall on the manager so yes i think maybe buck stays with the organization gets moved up to the front office um there's rumors that uh council could come with stearns from milwaukee Beltran's a name that's always out there, but I do think that uh, although Cohen seems to have a very soft spot for Buck, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's a 50-50 proposition at this point. Gun to my head, I'm saying he's not back as the manager this year, but uh, a lot crazier things have happened. Uh, you guys know that Council is a Notre Dame guy. I just want to throw that in. <laughs> but I heard that like, with, with Council is, is would be out that it's possible he would take a year to watch his uh, his kids. He's got kids that are, I guess, playing college ball. So uh, with that, maybe Buck ends up with a third year. I mean, he did he did lead a team to 101, you know, wins last year. And, you know, this year's a, a, a bit of a day. I kind of like feel, thinking the same thing like with Boone. I, I generally haven't had a soft spot for Boone. He's got one year. What, has Buck got one year left? I believe, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> And Boone's got one year left. I can see them both back next year. See, now, Doc, you're a guy that's familiar with Buck, and he's coached your teams before. Do you think he has what it takes to bring them to the promised land if he does stay another year, or is it a shot in the dark and this guy has no chance? No, I, I you know, I, I I was envious of the Mets when they when they hired him as manager because, um, you know, he came up in the Yankee system. He he did a good job. I was kind of surprised when he got fired in, in 95, that whole thing. But um, I, I, I do believe, you know, given the choice between Boone and Buck, I think Buck deserves the, you know, the third year before like Boone deserves what, what it's going to be the sixth or seventh year. 
I mean, how do you not give a guy in a leadership role three years unless he does something that's, you know, absolutely disastrous? I, you know, I think he's also dealing with the cards that he's dealt. Um, it's tough to be put in a leadership position and be being given less than three years unless you're a complete disaster. Winning 101 games in your first year is not disastrous to me. I mean, yeah, you can't really argue with the 101 wins, but when you fall off a cliff and you have all these expectations in March and you're under 500 in July and you never get it back, it's it's a stain on the resume, no doubt, but it's going to be interesting. I'm not for selling on Buck yet. I feel like we have a decent team where if we spend here and there, get a couple offseason signings, then we could run it back without this big budget like we spent on in 23. But that's besides the point. Let's keep moving forward. Right, I think we both, you know, as Mets and Yankees fans, you know, you, you just buying the the championship just it just isn't working. I'm I'm always impressed with what Tampa Bay does. Uh, even the guys they 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 pick up, you know, like in Eflin this year, you know, they they just they they get these guys and they get stuff out of them. And I look at what what Baltimore has done. I think as Yankee and Mets fans, we don't want to endure the years leading up to these this year, you know, the hundred plus lost seasons that Baltimore's had to endure. But I envy now the, the the Oriole fan and what that that team's a hungry team. I mean, I sat through the 14-1 game where Severino was a disaster at Yankee Stadium. Um, I stayed the whole game. I, you know, that's a whole other topic. You know, to beat the traffic thing, that seems like an old guy thing. That seems like something I would do. But I well, I always I stay the whole game, no matter what the score. I stay the whole game. I don't know how you guys feel. But I'm a whole. I'm, I'm paying good money to go to the game. I have a couple chili willies. I stay the whole game. I'll say two things. Number one, if Daniel Vogelbeck's not on the roster, I'm way more open to giving Buck another year. I just got to see him manage without that clown on the team. Second of all, with the leaving early thing, listen, Doc, you know, when you're in the honeymoon stages of the relationship, sometimes you'd like to get out early so that way you can go back, and I'll leave it at that. We all, we're all adults here. We kind of understand the situation. Uh, but uh, it's uh, – Time out, time out, time out. But oh, when boy. the game is over, the game is over – don't you want to take like that selfie with the stadium with the green, you know, the field in the background? Your game's over. You want to walk down to the, you know, the bottom of the section and get that picture, get someone to take it. That's very that's romantic. You, yes, yes. That's what you want to do. We, we, we did that. We did that early in like the Frank Costanza wants to do. Don't I mean, let Goose fool you. It's not all romance. We've bounced by the seventh inning before, just a couple <laughs> of brothers, you know? I, I will say this the earliest I ever <laughs> left the game. And it was this year was uh, the top of the fifth inning. It was May 7th when the Mets played the Colorado Rockies. I wasn't feeling good, actually. I had a bagel with cream cheese that did not sit well with Goose's stomach. And uh, the Mets gave up a 10 spot. I think it was the uh, it was the fourth or fifth inning. And that was like I, like I was ready to throw up. And then the play on the field just made me want to throw up even more. Uh, I was ready to go. But, Doc, when you get this late into the season, when you've been to 21 games on the year, you know when Drew Smith gives up the game-winning home run, you just know it's over. I mean, it's over, like ladies and gentlemen. When no, you see I do number not. Forty come in, I you don't. guys look cringe. I'll pack I his cry. bags for him. I usually cry. That's it. Yeah, that's how I deal. I cope I'll with fault that. his socks. Literally, <laughs> has not him been and, a good year for Mister Smith. Him and Vogelback sitting uh, first class in the plane out of here. I'm just saying the second Diaz went down from the World Trash Classic, it's been very, very tough for me. I've <laughs> barely been interested. Classic. It's just, yeah, it's tremendous. Tell us how you you really feel about the World Baseball (laughs) I feel Uh, as though if some team's paying you millions of dollars, you don't parade around with your buddies for the namesake of sports. I don't know. Don't know. Not a nationalist. Your your guy Diaz is going to pitch this year, right? Oh, God. Possibly. A team that's going to win 60 games, maybe 70 games. Yeah, he he just wants to get back on the mound, which I'm fine with. You know, he wants to throw some pitches back on the mound. That's fine. I'm and not okay, Crookie. I'm not no. okay. He he's a New York Met. We this this, this stuff doesn't work out for us. It will be mortifying. Okay? I, I'm terrified. I, I am legit terrified. You know what though, Goose? I will say this. This is it's not. I'd be a lot more worried if it was a problem with his arm. If it was a problem with his arm. I say sit out, wait Good till point. the spring, get in there. He hurt his knee. If his knee is structurally sound. And he wants to go in there and throw 15 pitches to get the feel of being back on the major league mound. I'm okay with it. If it was literally anything, 
from, you know, his lat up through his shoulder, down through his fingertips. You sit there and you don't move and you wait until next season. But because it's the leg, I'm willing to I'm willing to give him a shot and let him go a little bit here in a game or two before the season closes. And there's obviously going to be no pressure in the games. So just I, I go was just going to say, maybe that gives you a little bit more confidence, right? He's not going to be doing any jumping to celebrate because uh, no. there's going to be nothing to say except for us in the better fans. better not jump to celebrate again ever in his life. I'm a pessimist. What if he gets shelled? What if he gives up like eight runs and like, yeah, it's gonna go bad. It's gonna go bad. The only one it off working his way back. You chalk it off to just working his way back. The same reason why the Yankees are using an excuse for Carlos Rodon. Why is he getting shelled? He's working his way back. You know, he's getting his twenty-seven and a half million with his one and four record and his uh, six points on the RA. He's working his way back. Which Carlos Rodon was at the Giants Jets game a couple rows behind me, and he was getting heckled. Poor guy. <laughs> I was heckling him. I can't really say that. I was also heckling. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be right. He's maybe sure. not twenty-seven and a half million worth that, but he'll be all right. We need. Sure. You, know, you need a lefty. Yankees need lefties. You need a lefty. Joel, that's a that's a great segue, by the way, guys. I want to close. I know, you know, we got a few minutes here. Let's just talk some football, right? Football coming up. A lot of exciting games going on. We got high school football, college football. Doc's Irish are already one and zero with uh, Sam Hartman, the thirty five year old starting quarterback. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Giants and Jets. I mean, how could you, you you have such a miserable baseball season in New York, and now you're getting to the fall where both teams and both fan bases should be very very excited. So. Doc, you're a Steeler fan. You're the odd man out here, but I, you got you have Mike Tomlin. You got to be excited if you're a Steeler fan, right? I mean, that guy and, and what you're hearing about George Pickens. Oh boy, oh boy, buckle up. Yeah, if you want me to give you a little like Steelers, I, I again, I always love what the Steelers do. You have to appreciate a guy, a coach in Tomlin that's never finished under 500. And last year, starting off two and six and finishing nine and eight impressive where they had like what five turnovers in their last 10 or 11 games that's hard to repeat but i always love what the steelers do they build and rebuild through the draft they don't sign crazy free agents that's what they do they keep the team young they keep it exciting i'm excited for this year i know the afc is strong um but you know i'm hoping hey look they they were a win against the Dolphins away from making the playoffs last year. Who would have thought early in the season that game against the Finns that they dropped and it was a close game um, and they were without Watt at the time, um, you know, that that's what would cost them playoff spot. You know, I think the Steelers will sniff a playoff, uh, you know, that they, they're not, you know, expected to win the AFC, but it'd be love. I'd love to see them get into the tournament. I think they will. I think they'll, you know, they'll be sniffing uh, 10 or 11 wins. Could could be the uh, arguably the toughest or second toughest division uh, in all of football. No, Kenny no, picked no. off and George can't pick it up. What? <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Are, what is he ripping on the, my Steelers? I, I think he is, Doc. He's throwing shots right out the gate, right in the pilot episode. Right. It's amazing. He's throwing shots out there. And, I'm and a I Giants fan. Like, These shots are empty. It's blank. Look, we haven't really done anything since I was 11. Like. Are you all – you're all Giants fans or we got any Jet fans here? Giants. You're all Giant fan? yeah. Giants fans? Yeah, Giants. I don't – now, you, I'm going to give you a reason to just ease up on me, Joel, because, look, I'm a Steeler fan. But you know what? I, I don't root against the Giants. There's a lot of other teams I'd rather see lose than the Giants. So, you know, if the Steelers are not, you know, not in it, uh, really, the, I would say the only time I'd probably root against the Giants is if they play the Steelers. That's it. So ease up on me a little bit because, you know, I, I don't dislike the Giants. All right, to, def- to, to defend to you and to say it's just for namesake, I drafted Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryermuth in my draft yesterday. So. There we go. I'm also oh. on the board with the Steelers. It was more you'll, for namesake. You'll make big points in this house drafting Friar Muth, as I did last year, because not only is a Steeler, he's a Penn Stater. And I have a you know Penn State wife and a Penn State daughter. So if I draft Pat Friar Muth, there's a lot of peace that is kept in the house. A lot of excitement and a lot of peace. I actually have a, a, a Friar Muth Steeler t-shirt. Oh, it's uh, serious. There you go. Yeah. And uh yeah, fun, fun year. Fun. It should be a lot of fun. Great division. Another great division is the NFC East. I think teams are getting better in that division. And uh, Krucky, I think, you know, and, and even now watching the preseason tape, I know you put all the weight in the world 
uh, in the preseason games. You had a hot take on Game Time with the Goose uh, about a month or so ago. You want to you want to drop that on the podcast today or what? Wait, which one are you referencing? First of all, before we get into that, I just want to say that Doc, I love the Steelers. Like, if I had to pick an AFC team, the Steelers are, and I don't think we 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 have anything to gripe about. We're both in root for teams that are tradition rich, that have a number of uh, trophies in the trophy case, and I'll tell you this. I could listen to Mike Tomlin do a press conference 24 7, 365, and be mesmerized. I love the man. I love him. I think he's one. I think for a guy who's coached as long as he has and gets has been a successful have losing seasons, he flies under the radar compared to guys like Belichick and Andy Reid. And I love Tomlin. Um, Goose, now what is this? What was the hot take that I dropped there? Refresh my memory, please. Well, listen, I I, I would be – it would be hard to find, Zach, outside of his mother, his father, and his siblings, uh, maybe his girlfriend as well, to find a bigger supporter of Daniel Jones than you, sir. Uh, you, you have been on the Daniel Jones train, uh, and you had a Daniel Jones hot take about a month or so ago uh, about him and the quarterback across town uh, and what kind of seasons that uh, that they may have. Go ahead, brother. Listen, now I have been, I went into last season saying Daniel Jones has all the tools. He's got all the talent. He has been a product of sheer, utter, utter incompetence in his playing career. After Pat, after Pat Shermer, who he put up good numbers under Pat Shermer. Yeah, he turned it over too much. He was a rookie. You had Joe Judge, who clueless when it came to in-game coaching unbelievably clues and Jason Jason Garrett Garrett, who who I always say it coached as though the guys are still wearing leather helmets and the receivers are there to block it brutal I mean you you can't find you could walk out to the local middle school and find a more creative game plan and scheme put forth by their offensive coaches as far as this year yeah you better believe I'm excited about what Daniel Jones can do because what what Shane and Dable are doing, and really Shane, when it comes to the player picking and and you know putting this thing together, you look at their receiving core last year and how they came into the season it was terrible. And then you had Shepard injured, Galladay completely a non-factor, <laughs> and now what they have targeted is guys not just in the receiving area but across the roster. They have targeted speed specific to the receiver position, mismatches separation, speed, hands. I think you are going to see a very different passing game come out of the Giants this year. You saw it toward the end of last year, culminating in the Vikings game in the playoffs, where they really, that's where they really, you know, they they took the cuffs off and just let Daniel rip. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that this year. And yes, I, I, I do. I will give myself a little pat on the back because so much of our fan base and so much of football's fan base were digging this guy's grave going into last season. It was almost like an afterthought. You're going to have a new quarterback after this year. You know, they're going to have Jones and you're going to have a new quarter. You're going to draft somebody and bring somebody in. It'll be somebody else. And yes, I did say, do not write that story. Do not put the end on that story before it's been written. And you know what, to his credit, He's a workhorse. You can see it. He's focused. He's dedicated. And he has not just competent guys, but extremely talented guys running this offense now in Dable and Kafka and with, with more talent. I'm looking for big, 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 big things from my man, Daniel, uh, this coming season. And I do think there is a decent possibility. Give, give all the spotlight to Rodgers. He loves it anyway. He loves it. Eats it up. Sucks it up. Can't get enough of the spotlight. <laughs> like Goose at a buffet. Give it all to him. Let us ride under the radar. Let's just do our business. Let's do our work, and let's put W's on the board. And and the exact quote from Zach was he believes that Daniel Jones will have a better season than Aaron Rodgers. We can roll that tape back uh, if we still have to. But we'll see how that one comes to fruition. 30-plus total touchdowns, 30-plus total touchdowns, easy this year, Goose, for Mr. Jones. There you go. There you go. I. I gotta it's exactly be excited. What I need to hear before draft night. It's exactly what I need to hear. <laughs> you you gotta love it, and you gotta be excited for this team, and and uh, and all they've got moving forward. And then you've got the Jets. We've talked about them 
Uh, it feels like you're ready to. Yeah, it's in nauseum, right? I mean, but Jet fans, and I'll, I'll go. I'll give this Joel's. I'll give this over to the two older guys here. I mean, this franchise needs it. I mean, this fan base really needs the excitement that they have this year because they certainly they certainly haven't had it for the better part of the last, uh, you know what, twenty a long long time. Let's say, let's put it that way. Since the Rex I mean, era, yeah, yeah. I mean, and even then, those teams kind of I mean, maybe two thousand ten, not so much, but two thousand nine, they kind of sprung up uh, out of nowhere, kind of made a run there at the end of the season, and you know they weren't you know they weren't the AFC Championship favorites going into that year. So, I mean, outside of that, I mean, yeah, I throw it to the older guys. Like, I I don't I don't remember there being too much hype around the Jets. They got to be excited, right? Well, I was alive during their Super Bowl win. I think I'm the only. I'm the only. I'm, I'm, I'm on the podcast that uh, that was alive when the Jets won the Super Bowl. Were you in diapers at that time? Uh, yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> what was what was it? Uh, what was it? Six sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah. 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 So I'm one crawling, crawling, crawling around. You know, maybe in my in my Steeler diaper. And look, I'll tell you, I, I, if I'm a Jets fan, of course I'm excited. How can you not be? You had Zach Wilson as your quarterback last year. Now you got Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and uh, but I do think they are, they are putting the cart before the horse. I actually think it's going to be the defense that carries this team uh, to a Super Bowl title if they, in fact, go and get one. Because God forbid something happens to Garrett Wilson. After Garrett Wilson, you got paper thin receivers there don't tell me you're bringing it don't uh, this whole idea that Lazard is some terrific receiver no he's a guy Aaron likes he let Randall Cobb was washed up two years ago and he's like their third on their depth chart right now so if Garrett Wilson something happens to him and he is a dynamic exceptional wide receiver difference maker game breaker something happens to that guy you're in trouble I know they got the running backs but the offensive line's a question um and let's be honest, they played two series against the Giants' backups and didn't look great. They punted after five plays in the first series, and then in the second series got a fortunate uh, defensive pass interference call, which really was a, a non-call, I thought, if anything. They put the touchdown in, but they got work to do on offense. Defense could be scary, without a doubt, but everybody's hyping up Rodgers in the offense. If this team goes to the promised land, it's going to be the defense that puts them on their backs and gets them there. Do you know it's what I think for- it is, Zach? And I, I don't want to be like too – I don't want to put too much weight onto this because it is speculation, but I do think they're trying to hype up this team as much as possible to sell season tickets just in case if it is a disaster, they made their money in one year. Yeah. I really believe it. I really believe it. I love it. I love it. It's and tremendous. if they crash, Rodgers is going to retire. If they <laughs> crash and burn this year, he is not coming back. This, this idea that this guy – has suddenly morphed into a completely different personality when it comes to his team than he was in Green Bay, I think is a little, you know, the bloom is fully still on the rose right now. If this team, which has a really tough first eight, nine weeks, gets off to a rocky start, slings, arrows, cannonballs, (laughs) bullets, they're going to be flying. Happens quickly. Even if they do get off to a good start, and you look at, you know, the AFC, you still have, you know, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Ravens. There, you know, there's where do you rank the Jets right now with, with those teams? That that's that's a tough five or six teams to try to to crack and, and, and get over to get to a a, a Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those years where it's a, like an eleven and six team that's going to make the cut for the wild card. It's not going to be any slouch it's like at nine and eight or something like that. And, and you know what bothers me, and Zach, you, you, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. It's so over the top about oh, Aaron came in, and now magically the delivery guy shows up five minutes early, and uh, you know the flowers smell differently. They smell uh, fresh and and freshly scented, and the trees are growing different. Like. This whole idea that, like, just the fact that Aaron Rodgers just showed up and everything becomes better, we can play that game, guys. Right? When Garrett Wilson scores a touchdown, well, damn. Heck, that throw by Aaron Rodgers, baby. I mean, whoo. Oh, that defense got a safety? Well, you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers and the offense put them in that position, uh, that field position. We could do this game all day long if we want to. uh, And then being on hard knocks is just the icing on the cake 
about how ridiculous this whole thing. I mean, did you see Robert Sala, right? He comes out with this opening speech on the first episode of Hard Knocks and everybody falls in love with it, right? Then the guy, less, I think it was like a week later, goes on and explains that he stole the speech from a TikTok video. Like, <laughs> all right, oh, come, and, and, come on. And he's talking about birds and crows and all this other crap. Like this, is it, it just, there's a reason to be excited. You should be excited. And then there is just way, way over the top. Uh, and some of this stuff has just reached different levels. I also feel like this, and I've seen this, you kind of see it a little bit on hard knocks. And and of course, I, I embellish it a little bit. I do make a bit of a joke about it. But it's almost like, I feel like I, Rogers is like emasculating Sala. It's almost like, oh, hey, what do you want to do, Aaron? Whatever you want to do is what we're going to do. Let's go do it. You know, let's, oh, that sounds great. Let's go. I'm with you. <laughs> You want to go rock climbing? Let's go rock climbing. Let's go. I'm down. No, I'm just in the seems, dark room. It just seems like whatever Aaron wants is what the team is going to do. And I and this this is also I, these games got to get underway. We got to get the season started because Jets fans are very sensitive. If you say anything about the Jets, well, they might falter it. How dare you? How dare you talk, talk of Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in, in such fashion? That's Aaron Rodgers. He should, he should be wearing a crown on his head. You'd be respectful of Aaron Rodgers. Don't talk down about him. It is. They are, they're a sensitive fan base to begin with. This year, they, it's gone to an 11 on the 10 meter. They are, uh, they are very touchy. Anytime you say that things could potentially go sideways, they don't want to hear it. I understand. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of trauma in, the, in being a Jets fan. So I understand that reaction, but uh, let's get these games. Let, let's let's get the whistle blowing and the game starting for real because we got to see, you know, if the proof is in fact in the pudding uh, in Gangrene this year. We can crown them the off-season champions again. That's another thing. Give them that. Right, they got a tough one, right? Buffalo the first Monday night. Yep. But they got they have a very difficult. I think I talked about this on the show Saturday, Goose. I mean, their first. They're, they're, the story of their season is going to be written in really, I mean, it's going to be the first eight weeks. When you look at the schedule that they're going to play, they start at home against the Bills, then they're at Dallas, then they're home against New England, and they got to get that monkey off their back. Home against the Chiefs, at the Broncos in the Sean Payton Vendetta Bowl, and the Paul, <laughs> you know, the Hackett Vendetta Bowl. Um, home against the other participants in the Super Bowl, the Eagles who didn't get worse. And then you have a bye week and then you got the giants and then you got the chargers. I mean, that's your, that's the first nine weeks of the season. First eight games of the season, the story of the season could well be written one way or the other. Look, they go five and three, six and two in those games. They're on their way. They are on their way. They go three and five in those first eight games. You are going to have jet fans, (laughs) jet fans jumping off bridges. I mean, they are going to be apoplectic if that is the case. There's our vocab word of the day presented by Zach Kruk. <laughs> apoplectic. Uh, always appreciate that, Krucky. And, and of course, by the way, they're going to get a very angry Dallas team uh, who could be coming off their first loss of the year. They're playing the Giants on Sunday Night Football. By the way, I, we won't, we'll get more into that maybe on the next episode. But, I mean, the Giants and Jets playing standalone games in week one. I mean, it's been a long time since that's happened. I mean, these teams are interesting. People love them. Uh, and hopefully you love us, right? This is the front office podcast. And hopefully tonight you got a little taste of of what's to come. I know we're going to have more segments. Uh, Jolan is going to be our big numbers guy. I know he's going to start spitting some 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 crazy numbers at us. I'm going to uh, get a camera. <laughs> he is going to get a camera. He is going to get a so, That's job but, one. Right. We're on audio only here on the podcast. But we're, we're on a Zoom call. And we're all looking at each other. Yeah, and but I've been like Jolan's name. I've been shaking corner. my head and powerpointing at absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> oh, that is tremendous. But we're gonna have fun here. That's that's the number one word you're gonna hear. It should be the number one word forever. Maybe the maybe a favorite word would be delicious. But we're gonna choose <laughs> fun for now. Um, fun is gonna be the name the the name of the game on this podcast. We're gonna have some fun things coming up. Different segments. You know, maybe. Uh, Joan and I were starting on the Air Out podcast some commandments for the podcast, a little uh, like a bill of rights type thing, some rules to follow uh, when you come on the podcast. But as we mentioned, we're going to have guests. We're going to have everybody uh, just keep this thing rolling. 
guys, this is uh this is an absolute blast to do with you guys. So I appreciate you guys taking time. You we're all busy, right? I mean, we're all working jobs. We're you know, except for Doc over there. He's you know, I think he's gonna go on the beach and have some chili willies at One some point day. as he retires. Mr. Um, Everyday Saturday. Yeah, Mr. Saturday. <laughs> effective, effective midnight tomorrow night. And there we go. Saturday. Congratulations, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. A, a very well-deserved retirement, the longest tenured high school uh, principal in Pompton Lakes history. So uh, will be missed by everybody there. He's got a great uh, replacement coming in from everything that I hear, but uh, you can't replace those shoes, Doc. And uh, we will be back, guys, for episode two on this podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we're just going to keep this thing rolling. And if we learn anything tonight, Joan, stop riding, Doc, about the Steelers. Come on now. And uh, right. no, It's going to make me very apoplectic. <laughs> there you go the word of the day uh we'll it's talk more Notre Dame. Like, uh, clickbait clickbait <laughs> crocky has got like a couple it. good ones clickbait and apoplectic <laughs> and we'll uh we'll keep talking notre dame on this podcast we'll, we'll get all this stuff involved and, and we're excited to have you joel on the we do have a twitter account uh for the social uh for the social media for this podcast uh where can people find us Okay, hold up, because you're putting me on the spot right now, and I haven't memorized it. No but... camera, he's not ready. What's Bruce going on Bond. over here? Uh, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I didn't know we were having a proper closeout like that. I'm kidding, such. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm but kidding, yeah, bro. you can follow us on Twitter at FrontOffPod. That's F-R-O-N-T-O-F-F-P-O-D. And yeah, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can feel the free to reach us out at Gmail at FrontOffPod. It's F R O. O-F-F-P-O-D at Gmail. Any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, anything of that nature, let us know. If you want to add a commandment, maybe, because Goose has a God complex and loves those things. But yeah, you know, <laughs> anything works. Number one is don't pay running back. So always keep that one in your back pocket. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me tonight and uh, and having some fun. Crocky, thanks. Thank you, guys. Doc, Thank appreciate you. it as always. No, this was great. Thank you. Charles, a- thanks, brother. I have a fantasy draft in 20 minutes sharp. I'm about to pull my hair out. Okay, fellas. It's been great. <laughs> Absolutely. This pilot episode of the Front Office Podcast. The Front Office coming at you uh, all the time. New podcast coming out. We'll see you next time.